everyone and welcome back to another Bible study at One Love Lives and Love Walks and I'm your host Leela Winston. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this Bible study. I pray that you are well. I pray that God is blessing in your life. As you know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it and so that we can also accomplish the purpose of our lives. So as you know, guys, um, we have been on a series right now as we delve into the ways in which heaven or in, in the ways in which the spiritual realm uh, sort of touches our natural realm right is to understand they're supernatural we are natural something that is simply above natural so it's not a spooky thing in fact we are told that the spiritual realm is actually more real <laughs> than the physical one that we live in and this most especially is important to us as believers because we are entrusted by the Lord to influence the earth with the kingdom of heaven. It is our job as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven to bring heaven to earth. And so today I want us to look at, to continue our conversation but we are going to focus now on looking at the ways in which the spirit world can influence um, the natural world in which we are in and how God wants that to occur in terms of the good spiritual world, right? The, the, not the spirits of darkness, but the spirits of light. So, how does one influence the earth? Now, what we understand is that in Genesis, God created all of the earth and all of the generations of earth. So that means everyone that is going to be born has already been accounted for. He's made everybody. He's got spirits for everybody, right? And so that is what the gospel is for. That is why we're still hanging around. We have to preach the gospel to every single generation. So that's all done. So how does the spirit realm connect with the natural one, right? How can the supernatural come to the natural? It's not really as spooky as you would think. But there are three ways because an evil spirit... One of the fallen angels that fell with Satan, these cannot, you know, just, you know, create a body for themselves and, whoop, here I am. You know, they, they can't make a body and God is not making a body for them. So how can the wicked one influence earth? How does he influence earth? I mean, if you look around at what's going on in the world, you cannot deny the fact that something very evil is going on. That's why I don't understand why people don't believe in the devil like i'm not saying he did everything like there's some stuff you did <laughs> there's some stuff i did so i'm not saying that but even in that we have to understand the role that he plays right that's so important to understand and so i think there are three ways that um that is that is actually done the first way is through suggestion the second is through temptation of the flesh and the last one is possession, right? So we see suggestion with Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. To a degree, it was a temptation, yes. But Satan has to suggest and pique interest through thoughts, right? 
whether those suggestions are heard from other people or maybe they just came to you like that's why i think a lot of people need to be careful like not every bad thought that comes to you is your thought like oh go hit that person right like you know sometimes you're just being instigated to do something bad right go steal that go do that no right so you have to understand just like with satan with eve he had to pique interest right if you're trying to win the battle with your flesh remember it always starts with the mind and we learned that the mind is an organ of the soul and heart this means suggestion must be nipped in the bud right thought patterns and ideas that do not bring glory or cannot be fulfilled in a biblical way particularly where sex is concerned you need to not entertain those thoughts or the suggestion of them i want to look i want you to see what it says in second corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 it says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ now that tells us right now the importance of what we do with thoughts if there's a thought that's exalting itself against you know the obedience of christ that's a problem that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and then there's number two there's temptation you know we saw the temptation with jesus in the garden of gethsemane you know he was kind of tempted to give up because his flesh of his flesh right his flesh did not want to do it when he was um when he was tempted in the wilderness that was a temptation as well that was a suggestion from the enemy satan had to come to him and say hey turn those stones into bread hey cast yourself down when he was in the garden of gethsemane we see no conversation going on between jesus christ and satan this is a moment where jesus knows what's getting ready to happen and his flesh is just going wild and we've all had those moments where you have these emotions going all over the place because of the situation and what is it i'm going to do and how am i going to do it this is a moment of the flesh and sometimes you know it could be a moment of the flesh when it's just such a pretty girl and she's so available and she's right here with you and she's trying to give you a kiss whatever it could be the flesh responds to those kinds of things right no one has to suggest some things to us and then of course finally there's possession this is another way that the spiritual world influences the natural one it's through possession we see this with legion in mark chapter 5 it's the man that was you know cutting himself in the gatherings you know so we also see it with judas betraying jesus in john chapter 13 and i'll prove you that it says in john chapter 13 verse 26 jesus answered he it is to whom i shall give a sop i have dipped it and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. I want to read that one more time. John chapter 
13:27. We're just going to read the last verse. It says, "And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly." It is worth note that we who have become believers cannot be possessed. Although possession is something that can happen to any unbeliever, really, because um, you know some people are doing things because they're honorary, and some people are doing evil things because they are possessed. <laughs> you know, and I think that's really important to understand. So we are only we as believers are not able to be possessed, and I'm going to tell you why that is. Right. Before I do that, I want to mention something. I want to mention that our vulnerability is really going to be soul and the body, and this is what you're really going to have to look out for. You're really going to have to be vigilant about. It's the suggestion and the flesh temptations that are going to be the things that get believers. That's it. You're going to be, you know, trying to stop your flesh from wanting to do some things. Temptation, the power of suggestion. You know, someone did something, oh, just, you know, go smack them. <laughs> go over there and tell, give them a piece of your mind, right? These are going to be the suggestions, the temptations, the feelings and emotions, the things that our body and our soul wants that may not be the best thing. This is how we are vulnerable to if we're not careful. Our possession is not possible because, and like I said, I'm going to prom- I promise to tell you, this is why possession is not possible. Because our house, our body, our spirit is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit lives there now. We see this in Luke chapter 11 and 24 and 26. So what that means is, is that you have the Holy Spirit now living in you, so there's no room for an evil spirit. The Holy Spirit and an evil spirit can't dwell together. It's holy. That's the whole point of it, <laughs> is that it's holy, and holy means set apart. So the evil spirit can't be in there. If you see someone who says they're Christian and they're possessed or whatever, like that's not possible. It literally is not possible because, not just because of, you know, I want to say so, it's literally the Holy Spirit cannot, it would say something about the Holy Spirit if an evil spirit could possess you, right? So I want to point out something about that. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. Verse 24 to 26, it says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Then goes he, and takes to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Okay? This tells us something about the spiritual realm as well. These are glimpses to understanding the spiritual realm and the ways in which heaven influences earth. 
because if we understand that an unclean spirit, which is an evil spirit, a demon, whatever you want to call it, when it goes out of a man, it says it walks through dry places, right? This tells us that we can actually see, at least in the scripture, it's showing us the life of an unclean spirit that is unhoused in a human. So the spirit has to be in someone. It's not just floating around. You know what I mean? It has to to be able to enact things. It's, it needs it needs um, a body, right? And we know that the Holy Spirit indwells us. That's how we get all these wonderful, you know, gifts and all these things that we can now do is because there's something greater than us that indwells us, right? And so it says he wanders and that he's tired. He's looking for someone, right? We see this in um, the story of the man in the Gadarenes when the Lord Jesus you know, cast the demons out, the demons literally asked him, hey, can we go into those pigs? Because we just don't want to leave the region, right? So he says, okay, you can go into the pigs. So this tells us something also about the spiritual realm and what spirits can do. So apparently they need a living house, right? Now the pigs, you know, according to that scripture, ran and jumped off of a cliff. So I don't really know how long they can stay animals. But what I can say is, is that we understand that this is a situation where the spirit is influencing humans, right? This tells us about the spiritual realm. And that means, as believers who had those flames of fire that sit upon us, those spirits can't come in that fire. They can't come. The Bible says that the wicked spirits tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. So I don't think they're going to be like hanging out with you if you have the Holy Spirit. And that's something to understand. This will give you confidence to know you know, what you can do, it'll help you not to be frightened of those sort of spooky things, you know, like, oh, this man is possessed with a demon, okay, okay, good, <laughs> I mean, not good, but you know what I mean, it won't freak you out, and I want to go back to Second uh, Corinthians, okay, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10, where we again see the concept of high things, that's what I want to talk about, the concept of high things that are being pulled down. We also see the same verbiage in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, when it speaks of rulers and wickednesses in high places. It's really important. We know that nothing can be higher than God. Even the knowledge of God must be higher than everything. This tells us the importance of our casual thought life. This helps us guard against the tactic of suggestion that is used by the enemy from the spiritual realm, right? So now you understand that thoughts which, you know, are occupying that place in this heart and the mind, we now have the understanding and the capacity to cast them down, right? Knowledge occupies the mind and soul and even the heart. It's how we remember things. So 
we feel about certain things. So we must not let any knowledge get above even the very knowledge of God. Not just God and His Word, but what we know about God. Whatever it is you know of God and His ways, nothing must supersede it. And this helps to prevent us from double-mindedness, as it says in James chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. This is, really a, this is really a challenge to kind of overcome, because we're so used to, you know, kind of believing what we see in the world, and we live in the natural world. You know, living by faith is something that you really have to work on. It's not something that comes natural. Faith is spiritual, and... You know, these are concepts we have to really kind of, you know, wrap our head around and you know, kind of understand them. And I think this happens through maturity and, you know, through, you know, learning and knowing the word of God and living it. So when it says in James chapter 1, verses 6 and 8, that we mustn't be double-minded, it's telling us that we have to ensure that any knowledge that we have about God, we don't fluctuate between that. And I think that's really an important part. For instance, I'll give you an example because I don't just want to say it and then you don't even have a clue of what that means. I remember lovely, wonderful Christian people would say things to me and I would be like, but how is that actually done? Okay, but let's try this out. If I know that God is love and let's say I'm in a difficult situation, right? If the thought comes to me, the suggestion comes to me, God doesn't love you, then that means I have to reject that and I have to cast it down because God is love. And that thought, God doesn't love you, is actually exalting itself against the knowledge that I have of God, which says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love and that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in John chapter 3, verse 16. So if you want to think about sometimes these thoughts that come to us that discourage us, make us afraid, make us angry, uh, make us doubt, make us double-minded, it comes from when you have a thought like that, you have to put it in subjection to what you know about God, right? Or let's say the thought comes to you, um, I don't know, you're in a tough spot trying to do something, and a thought comes to you, God has left you, right? He's left you. You have to cast that down too, because it says in the Bible that he is faithful, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9, we learn he is faithful. He's not going to just up and vacate or even Hebrews chapter 13 where it says he will not leave or forsake us that's so important so if ever you have feelings these feelings they come from the soul it's possible to have a deceptive feeling I can feel like God doesn't care I can feel like God doesn't love me but that doesn't mean it's true and these feelings and these thoughts, I can acknowledge that I'm having them, but at the same time, they must be cast down, and they must not be higher than the knowledge of God. We must bring it into the obedience 
Christ, what that means is these thoughts, these feelings, they must be brought under the knowledge of what I know about God. And also, I should be able to continually be obedient to what it is God has me to do and what it is God wants me to think. So let's look at James chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. It says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so, this is also demonstrated for us in the Bible, which is great. There's so many uh, illustrations, but we're going to look at Eve in the Garden of Eden. The knowledge of good and evil was forbidden. They didn't really know all that much about the tree or what it would do. Satan told them some stuff. You know, maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't. But what they did know was the command of God. But they allowed other knowledge that was knowledge from Satan. He told them some stuff about that tree. They allowed other knowledge to supersede or be higher than the correct knowledge they had direct from God. Always let what you know about God, His law, and His way lead you and inform your actions. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 10 that the spirit that volunteered would prevail, and He did prevail. If you follow the story, I want you to notice how God declared that the spirit, He declared, I won't point that out, that the spirit would prevail. In this way, God has spoken a thing, and it now must come to pass. We see similar things in Obadiah when the Lord makes a decree against Edom. This is what it says in Obadiah chapter 1 verse 1. So even though I want to point out this spirit volunteer for it, and you know God asked for a volunteer, and the spirit came up with a way in which he would do it, and the Lord said, okay, fine. The Lord then tells him, you will prevail, and in so doing, he makes it so. Now let's look at Obadiah chapter 1 and 1. It says, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise you, and let us rise up against her in battle. In this verse, from Obadiah, we see that God sent a rumor. Note that the use of the term heathen just means a non-Hebrew nation. So what he's actually saying is that at some point all the nations determined to come together as one fist and break the wicked kingdom of Edom. Now this ambassador sent among the nations could have been a real life person or a spiritual ambassador, even a prevailing sentiment that Edom had to fall for its continued wickedness and aggression. And what we can note is that this spirit was a part of, um, was something that was wanted. It's a vision. Remember, it's a vision from the Lord, right? It's something that came directly from the mouth of the Lord. Is it is an ambassador that is sent. And sometimes, friends, you are the Especially if you are an apostle or if you 
are an evangelist um, or a prophet, you might be the one that is sent. And so it's highly important for you to understand the critical nature of the work that you do and the ways in which heaven is going to influence earth. And even in the spiritual realm, we have to see that heaven is going to influence it and we can be the ones that he works through to do it. If if the kingdom of heaven is within you, then the mandate of heaven is within you. And who knows why you have come to the kingdom for such a time, time as this. This is not a mistake. You're not in the wrong place. You're not doing the wrong thing. You're supposed to be here. Follow the word of the Lord. Do the great thing that God wants you to do. He will help you to do it. Because remember, he creates every man with purpose. And then, through the mandate of heaven, he brings that heaven to earth. I hope that God gives you the courage to continue to bring heaven to earth. God bless you. Thank you.